Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. How are you all? You're not sitting on rugs today. That was fun last week, hey? Did you enjoy that? Did it work well? Congratulations to everybody. What a phenomenal uh, occasion it was. And... uh, just a great, so so proud of our church. We raised just under $9,000 in the end, which is incredible. Give yourselves, it's um, just a reflection of the generosity and heart of us as a church. And it's continuing again with uh, C3 Cares this coming Wednesday, as we heard from Sarah before. But just uh, thank you, everybody, for all your hard work last weekend. Uh, just get a couple of people to stand up. The creative exec team, can I get you to stand up? Just give us the Miles, Colleen, and uh, Teens, and Bell. Is Bell here? so much work pulling together and just thank you for working on teams and volunteering we can't do it on our own so it's so so helpful uh thank you for that and just yeah great opportunity to um build a bridge to the community that we're in and uh doing that again 150 people registered for lunch that's extraordinary so uh then who's on the c3 cares team just stand up all the c3 cares team guys come on up you get wonderful great to have you and there's a whole bunch more that aren't here but uh doing such a great job and the whole essence of it is to bring a message of hope uh bring a message of hope which is what they've been doing sarah your leadership has been extraordinary in this thank you and ian for releasing your wife to do it so well (laughs) you had no choice Yes, but we can turn it to our advantage, can't we? As husbands, we can do that. So uh, we, we've got to learn that skill and the art of doing that, to, the turnaround. So um, who's got an advent calendar? Who's using their advent calendar? Beautiful, wonderful. Got a few advent jokes for you. I thought I'd just lighten the, lighten the mood this morning. Um, why is it, why is it uh, getting harder to buy an advent calendar? because their days are numbered. I got myself a Microsoft Advent calendar, but I'm worried that once I've opened three or four windows, I won't be able to open any more. That's for all you IT nerds out there. Here's another one for you IT nerds. What do you get if you cross a Christmas tree with an iPad? A pineapple. You guys are slow this morning, I'm I'm telling you. How many letters are there in the Christmas alphabet? 25, because there's no L. That's right. Ellie, go to the top of the class. Why is a broken drum an excellent Christmas present? You can't beat it. (laughs) Oh, just one more. There's one more. There was a golfer who played on Christmas and hit a birdie. It was a partridge on a par three. (laughs) It's Christmas, it's Christmas. So, I don't know about you, I've done, uh, well, how old am I? I'm 61, so I've done 61 Christmases. I've done 43 as a Christian. I've done 38 as a married person. I've done 10 as a grandfather. Uh, You know, sometimes, it can feel like the thrill is gone with Christmas. 
And, you know, it's, uh, Christmas is an annual reminder for something quite special. You know, we see the lights and the trees and, and are reminded of all of that. Who has a fresh Christmas tree at home? Love the, the smell of the fresh Christmas trees and the, and the gifts. And we sing the songs that are so familiar. But um, it's a reminder of God to us that his son was born, that he would die to pay a price for us. And sometimes the familiar things are really essential to remember. And uh, last week, uh, Ben preached a great message, the thrills and spills, I think. I don't think he showed his spill on the hill, unfortunately, but we got him at National Conference. We showed it there. But, uh, but um, you know, uh, sometimes we, um, you know, we need to be reminded of the thrills uh, that, that come our way and what Christmas is always about. And in 2 Peter 1.12, he says, the Apostle Peter says, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, uh, even though you already know them. And sometimes we need to be reminded of these things. We need to be reminded. Uh, it's, it, you know, this is my 27th, I think, Christmas in vocational ministry. So it's, it's kind of like done a, a few of these over time. And so when I was thinking about the thrill of hope, I was thinking about a, a song that, uh, because I'm a bit of a closet old blues, I like the old blues, there's a song called When the Thrill is Gone. When the Thrill is Gone. And uh, let me from the outset say I've been married for 38 years, the thrill has not gone. I'll put that out there. I just want our single, uh, sorry, our, our young adults without kids to stand up, the couples, the married couples. The Rundles, the Fenwicks, the Nuttles, who else have we got? The Schumanns up there. They're not sitting next to each other. There's something <laughs> wrong. Maybe the thrill has gone. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I'm just here to say that uh, until kids come, the thrill hasn't gone. So all those with kids stand up, has the thrill gone? No, you don't need to stand up. But sometimes it can feel like when the kids come along, the thrill is gone. But then you get the empty nest and the thrill comes back again. The thrill is not gone after all. Any empty nesters out there? Wow. So empty nesting, the thrill has not gone. But sometimes it can feel like the thrill is gone out of Christmas. And, uh, you know, I, I want for us to think about the thrill that we're talking about, the thrill of hope this, this Christmas. I was reading uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who's a, a, a well-known and provocative voice, and he says, Optimism and hope are not the same. Optimism is the belief that the world is changing for the better. Hope is the, be is the belief that together we can make the world better. Optimism is a passive virtue, hope an active one. It needs no courage to be an optimist, but it takes a great deal of courage to hope. The Hebrew Bible is not an optimistic book. It is, however, one of great literatures of hope. And so hope is something that is way deeper than possibly we, we realize. Hope doesn't disappoint and keeps us future focused. It gives meaning and purpose to our lives and is an anchor to our soul. Hope will take us into God's presence. Hope that is born in, in the presence of Jesus Christ is something that sustains us. And so because of this, I think that we have to guard against counterfeit hope. Because the world would want to sell us hope and suggest to us that the counterfeit hope is actually all we need. 
This morning, I want to alert us to some of the counterfeit hopes that maybe we've embraced and maybe get us back to the thrill of hope, the thing that keeps us going for all these years. You know, I was thinking about it. I've been part of, I've been, as I said, a Christian for 43 years. The thrill of hope is still there for me. It, it's what keeps me going. I've been part of uh, C3 as a movement since 1988, Deb and I have. And so, you know, we, we, we love it. The thrill of hope. Of, you know, when we became part of C3, I think there might have been 30 churches globally. Now there's, uh, there's 600 churches. The thrill of hope that is happening when we see what God is doing on planet Earth is something that keeps me going. The thrill of hope when I see my kids and my grandkids embracing the faith that Deb and I have so uh, been so keen and prayerful about, about them embracing. You know, the, there's nothing like the thrill of hope. That that keeps us going. Colossians 2 verse 8 says this, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. I want to challenge you today that if you've lost the thrill of hope, maybe you've embraced some counterfeit hope that has stolen away the thrill that comes from the hope is in Jesus Christ. Maybe the thrill for you is gone. But I hope today to re-spark and reignite that. In Isaiah 59, the suggestion is that the doorway to hope is hopelessness. And that might sound counterintuitive, but if we are hopeless, then that's when we're most open to the sense of hope that comes. And so the only way we'll ever find true hope is to give up on all those places where we've put our hope before and it's ended up empty and hollow. The default is to find hope horizontally in the situations, locations and relationships of everyday life. How many times have we thought that if only I had this or that or the other, if only I earned this amount of money or if only I was with this person or if only I wasn't with that person or, you know, it's all about finding hope horizontally. But that's not the thrill of hope. That's not the hope that sustains. The hope that sustains is the vertical hope, the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. We're not going to meet a person who will give you life. No one can give you the peace and security that, we're, that you're seeking in, in life and in situations and circumstances. You're not going to get a job that will make life worth living. You're not going to own a possession that will give you the happiness that you seek. You will, you're not going to have an experience that will feel, fulfill you. It's all horizontal hope. It's just sentimental. Before you can find true life-giving hope, you need to reach a position of hopelessness that we realize that all these things are empty and hollow. And so we find ourselves looking for the true hope. Let's have a look at Hebrews 6, 18 to 20. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands. Well, I love this. We who have run for our very lives to God, have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands. Why don't you hold your hands out in front of you now like this and see yourself grabbing with both hands the promised hope and never letting go. This is the thrill of hope. This is what the thrill of hope is all about. We're grabbing onto it. And the way that the the, the scripture puts it, we've run for our very lives to God. So hopelessness has shown itself, but we've found the thrill of hope when we've grabbed on with both hands and we never let go. 
We never get. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline, reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God, where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us. That's Hebrews 6 18 to 20. That's a powerful scripture. Look at that. Running ahead of us has taken up a permanent post as high priest for us. But they've but, you know, it's, it's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. If you've lost the thrill of hope, then you need to reconnect to that unbreakable spiritual lifeline. It's a powerful thing. So counterfeit hope masquerades in a number of different ways. And so let's just uh, have a quick think about some of these ways. The first thought around counterfeit hope. I just need to change my circumstances. The most popular Simplistic approach to false hope focuses on external circumstances. I need more money. If I could change my looks, my life would be better. If I would get married, life would be better. If I could get divorced, life would be better. Um, if my children uh, respected me the way they should, it would be nicer. Everything else, it's all external. I just need to change my circumstances and, and life, the thrill of hope will be there. But that's not true. It's a counterfeit lie. It's not our circumstances that fuel the hope that you and I hang on to as Christians and as believers. The thrill of hope won't come by changing our circumstances. The second counterfeit is that, well, I need to change my behavior. I just need to become a better person. I just need to stop doing certain things that I know I shouldn't be doing and start doing other things that I know I should be doing. You know, I need to control my anger. I need to be more passionate or expressive or whatever it is. I just need to change my behavior. But that's not where the thrill of hope is found. Behavior probably does need to change. So maybe think about changing your behavior. But that's not going to be the answer for life for you. That's not going to be the, bring back the thrill of hope. It's not going to bring back the thil, thrill of the depth of relationship with Jesus that you need to have. So this, again, this approach... Uh, applies and addresses external actions and circumstances. And so we become really, really good at behavior management and performance impression management and that kind of thing. But there's no hope on the inside of us. And we're just looking for the next thing, next best thing to help us behave better or to justify our behavior that's not what it should be. I just need to change my behavior. Actually, there's a deeper thing. The Bible passages that emphasize the need for new behavior are all built on the foundation of God's grace at work to change our hearts through the power of the Spirit. There's something deeper that needs to happen in us than other than behavioral change. So you can on the outward be uh, the most... Um, presenting Christian that you might find. But on the inside, the thrill of hope is gone and you're not connected vertically to Jesus and the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what we're doing is performance management. And it's not, that's a counterfeit hope. It's a counterfeit hope. So we don't need to just change our circumstances. We don't need to change our behavior. And that's the powerful thing about grace. Maybe the thrill of hope will come when we realize the importance of grace at work in our lives, that it doesn't matter what we've done or what we are doing, that God loves us anyway. And there's nothing that we can do to earn or change that situation. And so the third thought around the counterfeit hope is that I need to change my thinking. And again, we possibly do, but it's positive thoughts and wishful thinking are not going to bring the thrill of hope deep into your soul. 
You know, we've got to think positive thoughts. I'm all for that. But it's, that's not the thing that will change deep inside of us. Because all that reduces it to is a superstitious approach to our faith. We just, uh, well, you know, if, if I um, think certain thoughts and don't verbalise them, you know, I'm not going to, uh, you know, uh, speak a negative thing over my life because it'll come to pass. Oh, so your negative thoughts are more powerful than God's thoughts towards you? I don't think so. And so we find ourselves walking this fine line of superstition and not wanting and, and, and faith in things that are not where the thrill of hope comes from. But that we, I think we do need to change our thinking. We do need to change our thinking, but not just to be more positive. It's actually to be more focused on Christ. And we are more than thinkers. We are worshippers. We are created not to think, but to worship. There are times when it's good to think, but there are a lot of times when we set aside the thinking and just worship and get into that place with God and, and enter into the relationship with, you know, you want the thrill of hope, you get into a deep worship experience. That'll bring the thrill of hope to, your, to life and your world. We need to change our thinking, but that's not going to be the thing. Our thinking isn't the thing that's going to get us in touch with the thrill of hope. Hope is as real as Jesus come, is real as Jesus comes to transform our entire being, not just our mind. He comes as a person, not as a cognitive concept. Uh, we insert into a new formula for life. We don't just add uh, Jesus to a, a formula of cognitive therapy or something like that. He is the source of life. He is the thrill of hope. And if your life as a Christian is boring, then get in touch with the thrill of hope because that's where your source and energy in life will come from. So, you know, changing our thinking is not just going to be the thing that does it. Another counterfeit hope is that I need to change the way I see myself. Believe in yourself. Be aware of yourself and make, you know, love yourself so that you can love others. All of this is, is helpful, but it's not the thing that's going to bring the thrill of hope. Um, you're a good, gifted person, so go for it. You can, do any, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Can you? What does that actually mean? Because I know that there's a lot of things that I'd like to do, but I can't. I'd love to be playing for Manchester United at the moment, but I can't. I don't know why, but it's not happening. And so, you know, there's understanding that, um, uh, that, that changing the way I, that's a counterfeit thing. Don't need to change the way our, we see ourselves. We need to change the way that God's, uh, we need to understand the way that God sees us. And the value that he sees in us and the depth that he sees in us. So if we approach the, um, uh, to change from within ourselves, it means that the power to change has got to come from within ourselves. But it doesn't. The power to change comes from our vertical relationship with Jesus Christ. The horizontal answers do not change the vertical power. It is a counterfeit hope. And it's not an issue of self-esteem. It's a sin issue. That's the reality. That's the bottom line of it. I need to change the way I see myself. You and I, each and every one of us, and this is one of the counterfeits that the, the society would say is that intrinsically every person is good. But Christianity says intrinsically every person is sinful and needs a saviour. And Jesus has made the way. And if, if, if we can't cope with that from a politically correct perspective, then we need to think about what our faith is built on. You and I, without our saviour, without the thrill of hope at work in our lives, are going to miss the mark. 
And so we need to understand that. And it's not about self-esteem. It's like, you know, okay, well, in God, I am worth loving. I am worth dying for because he's done it for me. Excuse me. Is, I, is it smoky in here or is it just me? So another counterfeit. I just need to trust Jesus more. Again, with all of these, we probably do need to do these things, but they're not the things that connect us to the thrill of hope. The key here is understanding that Jesus is understanding the Jesus that I need to trust. Is Jesus merely a therapist who meets all my needs? Is Jesus our therapist or our redeemer? He's way more than a therapist. He's our redeemer. He's able to empathize with us because he's felt the pain. He understands grief and loss and abandonment and betrayal. But he's redeemed us from all of that and the consequences and the power of that. And so if he's my therapist, he meets my needs as I, as I define them. This is what I need from you, Jesus, so you better give it to me. But if he's our redeemer, he defines my true needs and addresses them in ways far more glorious than I could ever have anticipated. He redeems me from things I didn't even know I needed redeeming from. That's the power of the thrill of hope at work in our lives. So if we think, okay, God, if you fix this, I'll be okay. We're missing the point. It's a counterfeit solution. We just need to trust Jesus more to answer my prayers the way I want them answered and I'll be okay. But that's a counterfeit answer. And so he doesn't do it according to our agendas. He will not serve the way our wayward needs. He actually can make things uncomfortable for us at times. He loves us too much to merely make us happy. He comes to make us holy. There will be many occasions when he will not give us what we think we need, but rather he will give us what he knows we need. And it's defined by what he knows about us, not what we think we need for ourselves. And so if we, in trusting Jesus, all we're doing is asking him to be our divine therapist, we're missing the point. The thrill of hope comes when we allow him to do a redeeming work deep in our soul that changes us for the future and forever. So in summary of all of this, our hope then is in Christ. Christ is the thrill of hope. That's where it comes from. Everything about God has been revealed in Christ. And when someone becomes a Christian, all that fullness dwells in us as those persons who've become Christians. We don't need anything to fill us up. We have Christ. And this is staggering when we consider the greatness of our glorious, mighty, gracious and holy God. He is all that we need. He is the thrill of hope for you and I. The fullness of Christ gives us two things. It cleanses us from sin and raises us to new life. A man, that is the thrill of hope. The thrill of hope is in that. The, givenness of, the, the forgiveness of sins brings us freedom from the power of evil. To be reliable, hope needs to fix what is broken. Hope must address the biggest, deepest and darkest dilemma of our life. And Isaiah 59 verse 2 tells us what's broken. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. We're broken because of sin. Sin is the thing that separates us from God. The thrill of hope is when we come back to God and we realize that we have been forgiven, that Jesus has paid the price for us and we are now cleansed and set free. That is the thrill of hope. 
So just as horizontal hope fails us, a horizontal diagnosis will miss the mark on what's truly broken because it doesn't address the fact that it is our sin that separates us from God. I think, I like to think that the biggest problems in life exist outside of me, but not inside of me. But in reality, the biggest problems in life are what's going on inside each and every one of us. The circumstances will take care of themselves. You know, as, as Wayne shared his story, you know, the circumstances of being out of work. External circumstances will take care of themselves, but what God is doing on the inside of us is where the thrill of hope and the power of that comes from. You know, I'd like to think that my problems are situational, they're locational, relational, they're horizontal, but they're not. Problems in my life come down to the fact that I've not connected to the thrill of hope. There is something that lurks inside me that is dark and dangerous. It kidnaps my thoughts, diverts my desires and distorts my words. It's lurking on the inside of each and every one of us. That cynical quip that we make or that angry outburst or that complete lack of belief that God could actually do anything in a situation. But sin that lurks inside of us undealt with will distort what's going on. And only Christ can fix this problem. No horizontal hope, no counterfeit hope can ever fix a vertical problem. So God promises to send his son as the vertical and ultimate solution. And the thrill of hope is found when we connect with Jesus. And that to me is the Christmas story. And that's why the thrill of hope never gets cold or tired for me. Because I think about, why don't we just close our eyes for a few moments and think about all the Christmas nativity scenes or the experiences that we've had in years gone by, positive or negative, whatever they may be. And maybe like me, you've kind of celebrated scores of Christmases and they can seem to take on a bigger challenge than they can actually be a blessing. But if we allow the thrill of hope to invade our soul this morning and shift our perspective and remove the counterfeits that seek to arise in front of the hope that is the person of Jesus Christ, Christmas can be so different this year. Maybe we're going into Christmas with a sense of foreboding about some relational tensions that will happen. The thrill of hope will be allow God through Jesus to redeem those situations and change them in a way that we didn't even realize could happen. You know, I want you to think about maybe there's some situations or relationships or locations that culture is saying to you, this is the reason you haven't got any hope. Maybe you just need to let go of that counterfeit this morning. Maybe that's masqueraded what Jesus is actually wanting to do in your heart and life. Maybe you can reflect on times when you search for hope in the wrong sort of places. And how did that end up for you? Because when we, when we go to Christ, it works out in the end. Not usually how we thought it would, but it certainly works out. But when we search for hope in our own 
answers and solutions or applying our own human wisdom, we're missing the thrill of hope as he comes into our situations and our circumstances. Maybe, maybe you can reflect on a time when you relied on Christ as your only source of hope. That the hopelessness that life had thrown at you revealed a need to get in relationship with Jesus and he became your hope. And how, how did that work out for you? Who in your life in this Christmas season is in need of hope? Not just a counterfeit expression, but, but this Advent season, this waiting season, there are people in our lives that we want to share the hope, the thrill of hope with. And so when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, for a short time that we might become spirit and dwell with him forever. That to me is the thrill of hope, the thrill of hope for what he has done. And that's the thrill of hope that we sing about when we sing that carol. A holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. The thrill of hope, the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoicing. The new and glorious morn, I think about the scripture in Lamentations that talks about his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness towards us. And so, there's this sense that the thrill of hope is tied to our ongoing day-to-day -day walk with Jesus Christ. The hope of glory in our lives. This morning, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to make sure that each and every one of us is in right relationship with Jesus Christ. That we actually know what it is to have the thrill of hope in our heart and in our life today do you know that if you died today you would go to heaven do you have a surety and a certainty about that is the thrill of hope you meeting your savior face to face on that great and fateful day you know it's not enough to just hope that we go to heaven you know the bible doesn't teach that it's not enough just to say well i go to church i'll go to heaven the Bible doesn't teach that. You know, there's something deeper. There's deeper in that. The Bible doesn't say if you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. It doesn't say that. The Bible says the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if that doesn't resonate with you as the thrill of hope, then you're missing the point. Missing the point. Father, right now in this place this morning, I pray you would kindle afresh the thrill of hope for those of us who have been around for a while and maybe feeling a bit weary. Lord, I pray that today you would kindle afresh the thrill of hope. Lord, I come against any sentiment that would suggest that the thrill is gone. I thank you, Father, for the thrill of hope in our hearts, in our lives, contagious, affecting others, reaching out to others, making a difference. 
Father, I pray, come against our lukewarmness and our half-heartedness. Lord, that has pervaded our thinking and counterfeited itself in sincerity and squashed the thrill of hope at work in our lives. But Lord, may we engage with the thrill of hope when we see a loved one that we've been sharing and praying for for a long time, coming to make a decision to follow you, Jesus. Or when we see blind people healed or hearts being healed or physical ailments being healed. We thank you, God, the thrill of hope that comes through Jesus Christ would keep us going forward. And this morning, if you're in this place and you're not sure of your salvation, you're not sure of your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you a mo- an opportunity in a moment to set that right, to get a surety and a certainty and introduce you to the thrill of hope. It's the biggest thrill in life that you could possibly get. The thrill of hope. I remember when I made that decision myself, felt like somebody turned a tap on the inside of me and I just filling, I was filling up from, the, from my feet all the way up. It was like an incredible physical sensation from knowing the thrill of hope in a personal and a real way. And maybe you're here today and there's a sense of hopelessness around your world. You know what? The thrill of hope will cause you to rise above that hopelessness because the answer isn't in your circumstances. The answer is in the person of Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, you need to make your peace with Jesus, maybe for the first time or or reconnect with him when you know you've drifted away. Just invite you to raise your hand so I can see it. Who here in this place needs to make that decision today? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, I just pray for each of us here today Lord, the thrill of hope would become a reality in our soul and in our spirit and would infect and wash over onto the people that we share Christmas season with. Father, we pray for Christmas Eve service here. Again, the thrill of hope will be alive to people. And we just thank you, God, for the reminder every year that Christmas is that you sent your son in the most vulnerable possible form that you could to come and make a difference in each and every one of our lives and make sure that the thrill of hope would be a reality for each and every one of us. Father, I pray your blessing over every person here today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's give give God a clap offering this morning. We thank you, God. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.